Well, hello everyone and welcome to uh, a chance to have a conversation with uh, Al Lupus. Um, Al is a uh, leader in the uh, publishing space and in the Christian leadership space, but specifically he is this founder and CEO of the best Christian Workplace Institute and what they've done over the years for actually 20 years, if, if that's uh, accurate now, um, you have conducted um, workplace engagement surveys across a vast, vast uh, ecosystem of Christian organizations, churches, businesses, and companies. And through your research, uh, you've developed uh, a number of systems and uh, programs that really help uh, these organizations and these leaders drive um, better engagement and allow their employees to flourish. And you're going to tell us about that. So don't want to steal your thunder. Um, you had a career in uh, managing consulting on the human resources side with Watson uh, Wyatt before then, or, or Willis Towers Watson. And uh, your engagement and uh, work with Christianity Today eventually led down a pathway of initiating the survey and ultimately turning that into a nonprofit that provides support um, to the Christian community. So would love to you know, kind of dive into this topic with you. Uh, we're here because um, you have published a book and we're gonna spend some time diving into uh, this book and learning more about the passion for uh, writing it, the journey uh, to get it out there and what the book is really about. So, but before we get, we get to that, um, Al, could you start us off by sharing a little bit about your personal story? Yeah, thanks, William, and uh, uh, really appreciate the opportunity to be on this podcast. You know, I love uh, the work that the uh, the Faith and Innovation uh, Group is doing there at Wheaton, and uh, really have enjoyed even working with Wheaton College uh, in the past in our work. So this is a, a real honor and a privilege, and and. Uh, you know, I, I think the whole journey really starts with uh, with my uh, coming to faith, and then leading, uh, be part, being part of a leadership team of uh, a, a young life group ministering to high school kids when I was at Penn State uh, in college. And you know, I had been a part of teams before, but this was the first time I had really experienced working with other Christians. And it was such a positive experience. It just kind of made a pattern in my mind of what, what it should be like to work with Christians, doing Christian work, impacting the lives of those of our ministry recipients for eternity. And, um, and, and I just had a, a remarkable experience doing that. And learned a lot, and I felt, uh, you know, just the sense of the of life, uh, you know, pouring into me, do, you know, as I was pouring into others. And uh, but then, you know, God said, "I want you to be a Christian in business," and I went into the business world, and I I ended up as a leader in a global human resource consulting firm, as you mentioned, uh, so now called Willis Towers Watson. Of course, I remember uh, visiting our offices in uh, downtown Chicago, not far from where you are. And uh, and then after you know twenty years, I worked with the firm for twenty one years. Uh, after being a, a human resource director in in a in a small firm, and uh, um, I started working with the best companies to work for uh, uh, 
projects in the in the states of Washington and Oregon. I, I had been transferred to uh, lead the Seattle and Portland offices. Uh, I thought, well, this is a great way to kind of develop relationships with new organizations. And, and that was a tremendous experience. And that led me then to, to think about, well, okay, uh, what does God have for me? And, uh, and maybe as I turned 50 and our pension plan uh, kicked in, uh, I thought maybe God might have an, a different assignment for me. I had a I had a spiritual experience, a, a mystical experience that caused me to stop and think about, okay, what does God want me to do? And, uh, and I decided, well, okay, I'm going to retire from the firm uh, after the fiscal year was over in June. And, and that was about six months uh, before that. And then uh, just before I walked out the door, Christianity Today called me because they wanted to do a, a best companies to work for only for Christian organizations. And they didn't know how to create a, a, a credible list. And uh, so they, they found out through some mutual friends uh, that not only did I have experience uh, in that we could do something for that would be a good engagement survey for Christian organizations, uh, but uh, that I was available. And, you know, I describe that as... Uh, Divine Providence called, and I answered the phone. That's all I can say. And then uh, we started the project that fall, and then in April of 2003, it was the cover story on Christianity Today magazine, and and that launched uh, you know the Best Christian Workplaces Institute. That's that's how it started. And uh, I mean, there's more to the story than that, but that's the that's the short story. And and people, you know, we had 80 seven organizations that uh, participated that first year with the article was here's the 40 best uh, Christian places to work uh, in the United States. And, and uh, while some of those organizations wanted to get on a list for popularity purposes, uh, our interest all along was that we believe that Christian workplaces should set the standard as the best, most effective places to work in the world. And uh, uh, that's been our vision ever since. Al, oh, that's, uh, that's great. And, and you started to go in the direction of some of the, the questions that uh, I was thinking about. Um, one of the, the things that come to mind is the difference between the best Christian workplace survey and what you obviously have out there in terms of engagement surveys that are done much more broadly across you know, corporate America and the Fortune 500. What are some of the, in your mind, the key differences between uh, what you specifically do in the targeted uh, Christian workplace space and uh, in the broader corporate space. Yeah, William, that's a, that's great. Okay, so yeah, what what are the differences? And and you know, many of our listeners are going to say there's clearly a difference working uh, and leading a Christian workplace than there is a secular one, and that's what we get at. Um, and and Christian character becomes a part of the focus in the survey of, uh, of Christian workplaces. Now, you know, we have to take some of these questions out when we work with secular Christian-led nonprofit or for-profit organizations. But, uh, you know, for churches and, and Christian nonprofits and Christian education organizations, we, we ask questions like, uh, 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 leaders in my organization exhibit the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, love, peace, patience, kindness, etc., is the way the question reads. 
So we're getting at uh, uh, the Christian character and, the, and the, the role that faith plays in the culture of an organization. Another question we ask is, uh, our, our organization reflects Christ to the world or leaders put Christ first in daily decision making. I mean, we're trying to get at, okay, so are our leaders really uh, spiritual leaders and are they, are they you know, faithful in, uh, in the way they lead in terms of leading uh, uh, through, uh, through the Holy Spirit is one way to put it, but also uh, exhibiting Christian character. Now, we also ask questions around, uh, around humility, like leaders exhibit the uh, humility or, or compassion, leaders ex demonstrate compassion to people at all levels of the organization. And when we're trying to get at what are those characters of, uh, characteristics of Christ in leadership that made, uh, uh, that really turned the, the, the world upside down in terms of the leadership model? What are those aspects uh, and how are, they, how are they actually reflected and uh, used and, and exhibited in the Christian workplaces? Thanks. So Al, as you think about the topic of engagement, workplace engagement, um, you know, some would trace the beginnings of the engagement focus of, uh, of many organizations back to the early 90s. Uh, there was an article by a Boston University professor, and that article sort of kicked off a focus around really thinking more strategically about driving engagement. Obviously, uh, it's done from a management theory perspective, it's done to make the worker more productive. What are the motivations for a Christian workplace uh, to have better engaged employees? Well, uh, from a Christian perspective, I believe that uh, uh, culture and engagement is the key to a God honoring workplace to start with. And uh, it's not just uh, um, you know, a, a pure productivity-based uh, approach. But, but the reality, to the two come together. And I mean, the value proposition, uh, whether it's a secular organization or even a, and especially a, a Christian organization, is that, you know, when you've got a great culture, and, a, and I believe a, where, where the faith infuses the culture, then you have an engagement. And we'll talk about the eight keys of engagement uh, but, uh, but when you've got engagement, you know, people stay in, in, a, in, a, in terms of the great resignation where half of people now are, are considering a, another job or are open to another job. You know, we, we need people to stay in their role to become effective so that those that we're serving, our customers, our ministry recipients, whoever we're serving, that they have a, a, a meaningful, positive a satisfactory experience and when they have those experiences over time they become loyal and the more loyal contributors and ministry recipients that you have the more opportunities god will give you to to see growth and to see impact in your organization and and that all comes back to uh, an engaged uh, a positive group of employees you know in christian nonprofits particularly you know they'll uh, leaders will uh, hopefully got inspired dream up uh, new programs new visions new ministries and then then they'll turn to in their leadership team they'll turn to the the development director and say okay can you raise the money to do this 
and and that will be oftentimes the decision whether they go forward. But I I, I suggest it goes back to, do we have a group? Are all of our employees uh, uh, engaged in our work? And and because it's of course the marketing people all know this. It's it's the employees. That's that's what drives. Uh, uh, the culture externally and internally uh, in an organization to have integrity with what we're trying to do externally with the way we're uh, actually treating our employees and the, the employee experience internally. So, so yeah, uh, you know, we think of engagement as, uh, as the emotional connection mm. between uh, the employee and the work and the organization that they're serving. And, and that, you know, is because, you know, the, the culture is uh, defined, it's a healthy culture. And, you know, by culture, I, the shorthand definition I use is that uh, that's just how we do things around here. It's the group of behaviors. It's a group of the priorities. It's a, it's the decisions that are made and, and the behaviors, particularly the, t- the behaviors of the leaders. So, so those are all things that really drive engagement in, in culture in an organization. And of course, that has a huge impact on, on the employee's ability to actually get the job done and do it in a, in a high quality way. No, that's really, uh, really helpful framing of, of what this is all about in the Christian context. And, and so Al, over 20 years, you built up a wealth of insight and knowledge by engaging all of these uh, organizations in the annual survey. And uh, all of your learnings uh, really drove uh, or some of the impetus behind a book that you've written. Um, tell us about that book and uh, give us a little bit of insight of what, what it's about. Yeah, I've really had the privilege and that's the way I look at it. It's been a tremendous privilege to work with over a thousand uh, Christian led workplaces over the last 20 years, uh, well over a thousand. and. Every year we work with hundreds of different organizations as we uh, start off with an engagement survey and then work with them to, to put in place uh, practices that will improve the health of their culture. And uh, so, so we've collected hundreds of thousands of employee engagement surveys from employees uh, around the world. And we've taken that data and uh, through the industrial organizational psychology PhD program at Seattle Pacific University, we've, we've analyzed that data and, and the data tells us that there are eight keys, eight drivers uh, to employee engagement in Christian-led organizations. And that's the, the basis, that's the, we're, we're the only ones that have just looked at Christian-led organizations. And, and the statistical analysis tells us what those uh, what those keys are to boost employee engagement and well-being in the, in the workplace, and so that's the basis, uh, and that's really what we went about trying to answer. Is okay. So what are the keys? And uh, and we came up. Uh, the statistics said that these questions group into eight different categories, and in addition to that, we also know how important each of those keys are to actually then drive engagement in Christian-led workplaces. Yeah, and uh, you know, if you think about an organization that is beginning the journey, so to speak, um, there is a lot that needs to be done around each of those eight. If you were to think through a starting point and in terms of what are the um, 
first step things you have to get right, and then you build on them. How would you maybe categorize the most important ones among the eight? Yeah, and that first step, William, clearly is, okay, you know, I, I like this scripture, you know, be sure to know the, the condition of your flocks. Uh, and, you know, and then that's in uh, Proverbs 27, 22. I also uh, think a lot about uh, when Peter in 1 Peter 5, 2, he talks about leaders, says to leaders uh, to uh, shepherd the flock that God has entrusted to you. So, so as leaders, we need to be thinking about, okay, how do we create a, uh, a workplace culture? And the first step is, okay, let's discover the health of our culture. Step one. I mean, it's like getting an, an annual physical and that we recommend that, uh, again, this becomes an annual process. It's just part of the organization rhythm and cycle uh, uh, year after year where you discover the health of your workplace culture. And you know, we do that through an engagement survey. We are, for Christian workplaces, we have 56 questions that we ask. We ask three open-ended questions. We break it down into various types of uh, demographics, but basically the, the objective is uh, in an, an anonymous way, what is the health of the culture? How are employees experiencing the workplace? Uh, and, and then we'll come up with recommendations. We call that the, uh, the build phase where, okay, what are, the, what are the specific things we're gonna build in to improve the health of our culture? And then, then we implement that, we call it the grow phase. And then we just repeat that cycle uh, year after year. Uh, discover, build, and grow, and it starts with an engagement survey. And and you know we can tell the health of a culture uh, across the board uh, within various uh, uh, divisions or sectors or or departments, and by by various demographics. By you know so for your younger employees or your, your older employees, how, how do they experience the workplace uh, differently, even by ethnicity? So. So discovering the, the health of your culture is the first step. We find that a proven, um, you know, tested employee engagement survey that's anonymous, third party is the best way to start. Great. And then, you know, following from that, then um, besides taking the survey, how do you come alongside organizations to then build on the results and the feedback to a better place? You know, and we, we think of that, uh, just to use a hunting analogy, uh, rather than a shotgun approach of, okay, gosh, uh, we get this anecdotal data and we think this is the problem and let's try that or this or the other thing. You know, we really kind of focus on more of a rifle shot approach. So what are the, what's the couple of things that's going to move the needle quicker and faster on engagement? And uh, that's unique uh, in every organization, but... As we look at the eight keys, we, we really begin to look at, you know, two of those keys, which are the most important of the eight. And, and the most important is what we call inspirational leadership. And, you know, the word inspirational is particularly relevant in a Christian organization because inspirational, the root words is God breathed. And we think that God breathes into leaders, particularly Christian leaders, uh, a sense of wisdom and direction as to how to lead. But uh, again, inspirational leadership includes uh, not only the Christian character of the leader, but also the competence of the leader. And in many Christian nonprofits, competence is really kind of secondary. Uh, 
but we see those as two equal things. You know, uh, David was respected because of his integrity of heart, his, his character, but also because of his skillful hands, his competence. And those two go hand to hand. And, and when organizations have systems in place that, are, that don't work effectively, that creates conflict, that creates broken relationships. And so it takes both uh, the integrity of heart or the Christian character of a leader plus then the skillful hands and the competence of organizational uh, uh, leadership that brings in really healthy uh, inspirational leadership but within an organization, then, you know, and one of the, these are things that can come out of the survey. If there isn't trust mm. between leaders and employees, I mean, that's a key foundation. I think of it as the mortar and the bricks that hold up the building. You know, trust is, is really at the, at the core as well as integrity. And, and again, if leaders uh, say one thing and do another, uh, you know, uh, the culture breaks down, no question. So inspirational leadership is first. The second, and, and you know, I know one of the questions that I often am asked, what surprised you when you did this analysis? Well, that became the, the, the second most important uh, factor was the surprise. Mm-hmm. And, and that became life-giving work is what we call it. And, and this is the, for Christian nonprofits particularly, this is the uh, competitive advantage that, that you have. And that is that that when you come to life-giving work, that means that, that your work has meaning and purpose. And when you when you when you feel like your work has meaning and purpose, then you're really drawn. And again, you have that emotional connection between you and the work and the in the organization. And but well, how does how do you feel? You know, what gives you the joy that comes from doing the work? Well, it's when you when you do work that you're designed to do that God has designed you to do in the sense of having the skills and the spiritual gifts even to do the work. And so when you're, when you're doing work that you're designed to do and it has meaning and purpose and, and again, where you're impacting lives, not just, you know, in the short term, but we're talking about for eternity, uh, then, then that's life giving work. Uh, uh, also, uh, you know, William, one thing that we've discovered into this life giving work uh, is that, when people have fun at work, that also improves their engagement. And, and so we really encourage leaders to, to work on creating an environment where people not only work hard, but they have fun while they're, while they're working hard and, and being engaged in their work. So those are, those are a couple of examples that we've worked with leaders to build inspirational leadership and then life-giving work in their organization. Yeah, it's a very interesting model because it, it really just starts at the top. Yeah. Um, and then it's really about the purpose and the meaning of what you're doing. And and like you said, you know, nonprofits and churches have a unique advantage in that department because not every every type of role offers that. But um, the other thing that I pick up from and you know, readers and, and listeners will too uh, from the book is how very much this is modeled after how Jesus led. And uh, I believe that you've thought through a lot of that. And, and um, could you share a little bit about the learnings from, from really Christ's example um, and, and how that actually manifests itself in some of the learnings from uh, the survey? Yeah, and I, I think maybe William, the best way to answer that is to actually 
so, I mean, all of this, uh, and as you've read the book, you know, we talk about the way Jesus actually, uh, you know, worked with his disciples. Well, at first he, he created fantastic teams. And again, so the, the, the eight keys spell flourish. And uh, again, it was the statistics that defined the eight keys. We just kind of made it preach to use a, a, a Christian uh, uh, use of, of, uh, of a, a word like flourish. And but very welcome, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so fantastic teams. I mean, you know, Jesus uh, called uh, his disciples. He, he chose them. He created uh, uh, fantastic teams where, where they, they worked well together. They're so different from one another, but they worked well together. They, they really, uh, uh, you know, they were able to deal with conflict in a healthy way. They, they loved each other. They strove for excellence. Uh, then they they experienced life-giving work where again their work was uh, meaningful they they uh, Jesus worked with the disciples to create outstanding talent I mean uh, he he calls us and then and then we become equipped he doesn't uh, call us because we're equipped but uh, he he recruited you know outstanding people uh, he he developed them uh, they they stayed he was able to retain them and uh, rewarded them not necessarily not financially but again they would have felt uh, tremendously uh, rewarded uplifting growth is uh, is another key that re reflects uh, jesus he he spent time with 12. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, he didn't you know he had a he had a huge ministry you know tens of thousands of people came but he spent time one-on-one -on -one with the 12. And, and, you know, as we talk about uh, the pandemic and how that impacted the workplace, you know, he, uh, you know, and one of the one of the things we we are using in the pandemic uh, and used was one on one meetings to keep connected with our employees. Well, he was very connected with each of his disciples. He he cared about them. He developed their competence. He encouraged them. He he recognized them uh, in the group. He. Uh, he, you know, had re regular conversations, uh, correcting them as necessary and encouraging, encouraging them. So that's uh, uplifting growth. Uh, of course, uh, rewarding compensation. Yes, uh, they all had a, they worked out of a common purse, you know, in Christian organizations today. Still, we need to have the sense that we have the resources for our families necessary to uh, to do the work that we do that's competitive through not only salary but benefits uh, i mentioned inspirational leadership he provided inspirational leadership uh, he is the model um, and then there's the sustainable strategy uh, oftentimes uh, a lot of people will, will focus on strategy over over this culture thing which is more of the soft stuff uh, but you need a sustainable strategy where where people feel like, and this is really true for millennials, uh, this, this factor has improved in importance. Millennials want to work for organizations that are able to accomplish what they set out to do, mm -hmm. to meet the needs of those that they're, that they're serving, to actually make an impact on their customers or their ministry recipients uh, in whatever they're doing, and, and to do it in a way that uh, where they can feel like they can recommend it to others themselves uh, uh, and to have a high quality approach to meeting the needs of those they serve. So a sustainable strategy is the 
seventh factor, and then it's all wrapped in healthy communication. And, you know, in, in Christian settings, uh, I was talking with a large church, uh, and they said, oh, yeah, we, oh, gosh, we need to improve our, our communication, our healthy communication. Oh, we have professional communicators that will help us with that. <laughs> and I'm, I'm saying, that's not what we mean by healthy communication. I know what you're talking about, and you're talking about preachers who will, you know, who will, who will one way uh, cast a message. Um, but I'm talking about two-way communication where, where, you, where, you know, we put on our humility hat. And we actually ask those who are working for us, you know, how can I serve you? How can I, how can I improve uh, and take barriers out of the way to help you get your work done? How can I, um, uh, uh, you know, improve and, and get input from you so that I can improve your work experience. And that's that's the two-way communication I'm talking about. But also, uh, we find under healthy communication, this is, again, the integrity of leadership. Uh, our, do we see diversity uh, mm. in our leaders? Do we see our leaders living out work-life balance? I mean, those are things that uh, that is also we see in this uh, healthy communication uh, uh factor or key so those are the those are the eight keys uh to uh, to a healthy uh, flourishing workplace culture you know fantastic teams life-giving work outstanding talent rewarding compensation uplifting growth goes before rewarding compensation sorry uh, inspirational leadership sustainable strategy and healthy communication communication you know as you were talking through that um again we're just coming off of pandemic and the nature, the very nature of work itself and going to work and where you work has changed. How do you drive engagement in a uh, hybrid and remote type environment? That's not at all what uh, maybe even three years ago we would have contemplated. You know, I give uh, organizations a lot of credit for the way they've navigated through uh, uh, COVID and, and the pandemic. And, this might surprise the listeners, but uh, our broad uh, uh, research shows that actually culture improved during the pandemic. The scores, and again, we have a large database, and so uh, it's not just uh, random, but uh, the scores, uh, the health of organizational cultures actually improved um, in, in our database. So. So what what happened? I mean, we we lost the ability, and this is this is this was a big part of Christian organizations. We lost the ability to worship together in groups. We lost the ability to have team devotions in our teams uh, face to face. But but what happened is that uh, uh, organizations did a good job of of keeping in touch with their employees, and you know this is where we saw. We've seen a lot of one-on-one -on -one, uh, meetings where organizations just started one-on-one -on -one meetings every week. A supervisor would be in touch with each one of uh, the employees in, mm -hmm. in their department, and uh, uh, they would make sure that they were connected. And then, of course, you know whether it's Zoom or whatever the technique was, uh, they they would uh, replace uh, group meetings in person with group meetings on on. Uh, uh, you know, Zoom or Teams or whatever the, the system was. And they really focused. Uh, there's more videos from 
from CEOs talking about what's going on in the organization than ever before. Mm. So, so again, uh, while it was exhausting, I think for leaders, uh, they they found ways to make sure that employees were were connected. And, and of course, employees during COVID, they didn't then they didn't really risk going out to look for other jobs. So, but uh, but engagement actually you know stayed the same or improved uh, during COVID. Yeah, that's actually very encouraging to hear um, that that was uh, some that had a positive positive outcome. Well, Al, we're we're inching towards uh, you know our time here, but I did want to step back and and think about uh, leaders maybe a decade or two from today and. Um, based on your learnings and um, your experience, if you had a word of wisdom or advice that you would pass on to the next generation of leaders, what would that be? Yeah, and I love the the title of uh, you know of of the group overall and uh, faith and innovation because the world is changing so fast that uh, you know we're not experts anymore and uh, and it's I believe faith helps us to be humble and 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 you know because we we serve a most magnificent God uh, we are so small in comparison but that humility keeps us growing and learning and uh, and so we have to be innovative and have a create cultures of innovation for for growing and learning than than we've had to do in the past and and uh, so how do we do that well healthy communication that two-way communication asking and uh and talking and communicating um, is is a really important part so innovation is key creating a culture of innovation and growth and and learning because of the rapid growth that we're experiencing is uh, is important and you know uh, back in the back in the 90s when we we're going through the internet 1.0 stage and i'm out here in seattle where there are a lot of those companies and and i was looking at who the best companies were and i remember going to a software development firm and they said uh, what i want you to do is i want you to write on a sticky every time you make a mistake and you know, in, in for your cubicle or your office, I want to want you to put that sticky up on the doorway. Mm-hmm. And what what they would do is they would go around and see how many yellow stickies there were on the doorways. And if there wasn't very many, they would kind of chastise them a little bit, saying, "You're not trying. Uh, you're not. You're not making enough mistakes because you're not experimenting enough. And we need experimentation to to create the innovation to to." Uh, be successful in the future. So I would say, you know, for future leaders, you know, what's going to be like, you know, now leading us to 10 years from now, it's, it's, you know, being innovative and creating that culture of innovation, willing to admit our weaknesses, making sure that we've got a safety where we can all learn and grow and even fail, but to learn from our failures and, uh, and even to create a celebrate, create and celebrate, uh, 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 the failures that we experience, because that's how we're going to grow and, and uh, move forward as a, as a, any kind of a group. Well, great. And Al, as we wrap up here, 
would there be anything else that you'd like to share? Uh, anything that you'd like to part with um, as you uh, as as we head out? Yeah, William, I would say so. What's what's the first step that you as a leader should take, and that is to um, to be open to feedback. Mm. Um, this is the barrier that I've seen over and over and over again, where where leaders are not willing to to uh, to take feedback, where they're not willing to let a group of people do an anonymous survey that they can then learn from. Uh, you know, I like what Ken Blanchard in Lead Like Jesus says. You know, one of the key for a servant leader is to actually know how their leadership is being experienced by those that they serve and to be mm -hmm. open to the to the feedback. I've seen leaders who are closed to feedback, who think they know better than the, than those that uh, are working with them and for them about themselves. So self-discovery and self-leadership is, is such a key. Be open to feedback and learn from it. That's how that's how adults grow and learn. So that that's that's the one thing I'd add as uh, 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 to overcome that barrier. You know, we all want to protect ourselves, but uh, but again, you know, be open to feedback. Know that God loves you, and uh, and that you can take that feedback and do something with it, and you'll you'll all be better for it. Well, great, Al. This has been incredibly helpful. Um, a lot is going through my mind here. Uh, specific encouragement for the individual leader, you know, to be open to feedback as you just ended with, uh, but also for the organization to take that first step of assessing through a survey um, with the wonderful framework. Again, that's an example here of, of just the health and the status of where you are. And then what a wonderful gift of a model spelt out in Flourish that we can uh, anchor on to um, really enact a program that can help guide engagement. So thank you so much for taking the time to share. Uh, we're very encouraged by the book. I think we have a great resource for um, for everyone. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate the time and the opportunity to speak uh, with you today. Thank you, William. It's been a pleasure. God bless you and uh, everybody that's listening. You know, let's uh, let's go forth and and have Christian workplaces. Christian leaders uh, set the standard as the best, most effective places to work in the world. Thank you and uh, goodbye.